Welcome to the Apple of Truth, a weekly podcast where we cover every episode of Lucifer while exploring plot holes and admiring the guyliner, all with the love for the show and its creators. I'm Vero. And I'm Lina. And today we're covering Lucifer, season two, episode two, Liar Liar, Slutty Dress on Fire. Which of course is a superbly funny wordplay on Liar Liar Pants on Fire. And since that doesn't really translate well in German, they instead used a similar idiom for the German title, mm. which is Lies have short legs. Lež má krátké nohy. Oh my god! Yeah, how? It's the same in Czech? Yeah. Of course it is. How does German have... I mean, it makes sense because you invaded us for such a long time, but like... <laughs> You know that German language used to be an official language, the only official language. I know, I know. We talked about this. But but actually, as far as I could gather from the internet, English doesn't really use the lies have short legs idiom. They say a lie never lives to be old. So that would be the closest actual translation. Interesting. German title doesn't use the witty wordplay. You know, at least they start to translate with a little bit more thought in it. And as I said last episode, this season way less deviation from the actual titles. Very good. I'm proud of them. I'm proud of the Germans. The official summaries were extremely one-sided, so once again, I wrote my own. Lucy has more mummy issues, Ames existential crisis peaks and Trixie is used as a proxy for Chloe to shine with motherly advice while Linda is a badass and Mace actually fails at hot woman sitting. Wow, nice. I like it. And I'm just gonna go on with the previously on Lucifer. Oh, before you do, you said last week that we should insert a new thing. Oh, that's true, I forgot. Which we call the obsession of the week. Yay. In my opinion, the obsession of this week is very obvious and it's bad mothers. Everyone's a bad mother. Yes, that's very good. Obsession of the week. Put it in your template or whatever you have so you have one yourself next week and we can argue about the obsession of the week. Couldn't say it any better. Before we continue on, I only have two facts for this episode. A, it was written by Ildi herself, which I found extremely surprising because I'm actually not a big fan of the writing in this episode. And the second fact is the one we have in every single episode. The name is said by Lucifer. That's it. Anyway, that brings us to previously on Lucifer. Yes, please. Mum escaped hell. Lucy has issues because she didn't stand up for him long hours time ago. Mace used to torture her in hell. Dan is back on the force, but demoted. Ames has done some shit and now he's losing his powers. And Mum shows up in the penthouse and asks for help. One thing you left out from previously on. Linda knows that Amanadiel and Lucifer are brothers and that Amanadiel lied to her about being a therapist. There you go. I didn't write it down. I knew I forgot something. And it's relevant in this episode. Very true. This is why we have each other. Ah. We start this episode with a fun montage of Mom's return to Earth. And we have a great song accompanying it. Again, the name is quite on the nose. You're gonna love it. It's called Black Magic. It's by Band of Skulls. So the jumping between bodies couldn't be anything else but black magic, right? Celestial magic, probably, because she's a celestial being, but I'm gonna take it. <laughs> Thank you. So the humor of the writing with mom going from body to body actually was really entertaining to me. Oh yeah, it was <laughs> super fun. Also very gross. I know that they don't really shy away from showing like brutality and blood, but when she takes out the screwdriver from her neck, it's so... Bleh. 
Anyhow, why did mom know or think to put the phone into the ice bucket? I think that she just saw some kind of a container that she can close because she accidentally picked up the phone and it started talking to her and she seemed very confused. So she just stuck it into a bucket, not thinking obviously about the ice. So it wasn't put the phone into water and destroy it. It was... This thing makes noise. This is a container. Put the noisy thing in a container. Exactly. Okay, I can live with that. <laughs> And I have one last question for this scene. When she is inside the gangbanger, you see that she has a headshot. Yeah. And it instantly closes. Yes. Why does she have to pull out the ice thingy, screwdriver thingy from her neck? Why doesn't it just get pushed out automatically when she's possessing the body? Well, she didn't push out the bullets. So the bullet would still be inside her head and it yeah. wouldn't be an issue? or I'd say so, yeah, because she doesn't technically use the physical body for anything else but containing herself. So she doesn't need it to be... So it just needs to be closed, not inside working. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah. I wonder on this note if she has a heartbeat for example well she does bleed at the end of the episode when lucifer pokes her with the screwdriver again but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's not just like pushing out the blood well you need something that circulates the blood to push it out but it's a curious question if she has a working no no no, no. she has to have a working heart because she has to eat because she ate out of the garbage she says later on oh yeah so her body needs to be normal working so curious Ignore me. This is a Ryan hypothetical discussion. Interesting. But yeah, my presumption of that was that she needed to remove it in order to seal the wound. Mm. But that we really nicely kind of pan into the penthouse from that montage. And we see mom explaining all these things and how they happen to Lucifer. His face. He really doesn't trust her. Did you watch his face? No, I was looking at the blood on her back and then on her face. Go back into the scene and w just watch his face. His facial expression is so amazing because he's so, so expressive. This is one of the moments where Tom Alice's acting really shines because even though in the beginning of the scene he doesn't say a single word, he doesn't really need to because his face just says it literally all. So really worth going back to if you didn't focus on it in the first run. And again, I have a question. I'm sorry. I'm Yeah. I'm annoying question gal this episode. Oh, go for it. I wonder why is mom trapped in a dead human why did she have to occupy a dead human body if she is indeed the mother of all creation which to me implies she helped god create all of creation so she should be much more powerful see i have a similar question in the next scene or scene after that either way i have a similar question later on then we're gonna shelve it until then it's a similar question it's not exactly the same one i think Thing, and this is my reasoning for the question I have later on as well. And that's in the moment where Mace is intrigued by the idea of mom having a human body. So being able to torture her better. Because clearly she didn't have one back in hell. So my thinking was, does it mean that she didn't need one when she was in hell? 
and why would she need it now? And my reasoning for this is that Earth works under certain rules and they cannot walk around the Earth and interact with Earth just as a blob of light and they need a body because they need to obey their own rules the same way as God had to obey his own rules when he was saving Lucifer from hell in the last episode of last season. With the coin trick. Yeah, mom needs to be in uh, an actual body to be able to walk the earth. So basically, God and mom might have created it all, but they also created the rules and now they are bound by the rules they created. Exactly. Okay, I can live with that. I do have a note on this scene and that is judging by what we've established in the past. And that is, if Lucifer is really insistent that something's certain way at the beginning of the episode it's usually the opposite way so lucifer being super insistent that mum is lying and she's trying to destroy him or whatever reasons that he gives for her to be lying that just technically means that she's telling the truth and she's there for him right yes we can accept that as a fact in the first scene and we can just dismiss this debate for the rest of the episode i'm gonna come back to this at the very very end okay but we're on the same side yeah yeah good in the entirety of the episode, I'm in full agreement until the very last moment of the episode. Very good. Moving on to the next scene. Lucifer gets mad and demands to trace back Mum's steps. That's what they do in the next scene, which I named Lucy Practices Detective Skills. I called it Confirming the Origin Story. And it actually starts off with a song that is not on Spotify. And as per usual, I'm going to put a link to it on YouTube. The name of the song is Please Set Me on Fire by Estelle. And we enter the scene of Mum's body's demise. And Mum is wearing Maze's clothes. And Lucifer just couldn't find anything but a tiny skirt. She looks amazing. She looks absolutely amazing. But it just feels wrong. Because it's Lucifer's mom. I'm gonna die on this fucking hill. Why is he so bothered by the human shell that is containing his mother? It's a dead body of a hot Caucasian chick. It is not his mom. It is not his mom's butt. It is not his mom's boobs. But his mom is inside. I don't see the issue. Yeah, you don't see the issue. His mom would be inside every type of body. It doesn't matter that she's in a hot human shell. Yeah, it doesn't matter what body it is. It's still his mom. If he can see her nakedness despite the shell, then it wouldn't matter if the shell is wearing clothing. Well, I don't know if he can see her emptiness. I think that he can sense her inside, but he can't actually physically see her, I don't think. If he could sense her, then he wouldn't have made so many assumptions in the last episode. Oh, so you're not my mother then. But still, I'm gonna die on this fucking hill that for me it makes absolutely zero sense that Lucifer is bothered by his mother's nakedness. Cool. And let's agree to disagree because to me it makes absolute sense. On a human level, yes, not for the actual fucking devil. So this is my hill and I'm gonna die on it. Fair enough. And we are back to your human level distinction to a devil level thing. Yes. But speaking of non-human, in the beginning of the scene, Lucifer says that mom was the one doing the plagues and the floods and all that. Yeah. So this implies that all the bad stuff that according to the Bible, God did to humanity was not in fact done by God, but by mom, mm -hmm. who was messing with 
his human child. More like mom that was acting out because she was pissed that her husband doesn't spend time with her anymore and instead spends time with humanity. Yeah, but the flood for which Noah had to build an ark was not in fact sent by God, but was in fact sent by mom. That would imply that dad was lying to the humanity all along and he was trying to explain her wife acting up crazy to the humanity as he's trying to punish them for something that technically maybe they never even did. Wait, my issue is not that the glorified story that is the Bible is made up and not based on facts. That is obvious. But if mom sent the flood, God still was the one to warn Noah that he was gonna have to build a fucking ark. So is it like, okay, mom is sending the flood, but in time, God is gonna let Noah know that he has to build an ark? How does that work? I'm very confused. And also the plagues in the Bible that come to my mind instantly are the seven plagues that are being rained down on Egypt when the Pharaoh refuses to let Moses' people go. And those plagues were to help God's people to get them out of Egypt. Yeah, well, maybe that was not the thing at all. Maybe he was trying to get them stay in slavery and she was helping them get free. The same way as Lucifer was giving them knowledge and free will and it was not what God intended. There's no basis for that assumption. Why not? Because mom doesn't deny that she sent all that. Yeah, well, Lucifer doesn't deny that he gave Eve the apple. Yeah, but so far it has never been stated that Lucifer gave the apple because he likes humanity and wanted them to have have free will. This is just interpretation on the normal standard Christian lore. Normal standard Christian lore doesn't have a mom, so we we have no no theological concept on what her position. Well, they they are making up their own lore. Is my point. This is the first time that they're actually making up their own lore. In the entire first season, everything they were doing was more or less loosely based on existing lore. The insertion of mom and now claiming that she was responsible for for certain happenings that are documented in quotation marks in the Bible stories really turns it all on its head. Yes, and it will do that again later on in the episode. And honestly, I quite like it. I just find it extremely curious. Oh, yeah, 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 for sure. I like the chaotic element that they're introducing that suddenly God's will is not obsolete, as in there was something else messing with humanity before mom got banished to hell and that's why she got banished to hell. So it kind of puts a lot of things into question. And I I find it thrilling, honestly. And I love Trisha Helfer, so I mean, I'm so glad that she's there. Also in the scene, we get the title card and the episode name drop. Both are virtually right behind each other. And I love that they find the body. She calls it a minor detail. The minor detail. And maybe literally minor, actually, when I think of it. <laughs> oh, Which is kind of sad. But the way she kind of jumps into Lucifer's arms, saying, oh, let's just fly out the window. And he's like, yeah, that's not gonna happen. I don't, it's not gonna happen. And they just have to run out through the back stairs. Is very, very nice. But that brings us back into the back alley, where Lucifer is dragging mom back to the car and one of the grossest things in the entire episode happens where they get approached by some random guy assuming that she's a fucking prostitute and offering money to Lucifer so he can take her over when Lucy's done with her. It's just bleh. Lucifer's reaction is so great. This is what you could kill. And mother instantly starts approaching him. 
but not really. Have you noticed the change in the music? Like once she looks at him, it goes into this as she's looking at him and then when he snaps her out of it it just goes back to a normal sound it's so good it's so well done I didn't even notice I only noticed her body language because it completely changes yeah it's so good and that actually when he snaps her out of it and as he's talking about goats being an issue and she is taking them off a new song started to play and it's called Complicated by Fitz and the Tantrums the titles but it's a very very good song it's quite fun We're then back in the penthouse and we see Mace moving out, which I say good on Mace, but sadly she can't move out because Lucifer once again needs her. Mace does not recognize Mother in the human flesh suit. She has to ask and Lucifer confirms. She doesn't see her as mom. So for me, that was the confirmation that there is no aura or anything that anyone can actually perceive. Yeah, this is tied into the fact, uh, to the question that you had in the first scene, where we talked about the body being a physical thing. And now clearly mom can feel pain as well, because Mace gets super excited about the fact that she is going to be able to torture her. Yeah, because now we have the explicit confirmation that mom was not corporeal. Yes. Which just adds another stepping stone on my hill. Anything more for you for scene four? No. Then you go into the scene where you finally see your Trixie again. Because I actually called this scene Trixie screen time for Vero. (laughs) Thank you. I only call it precinct as per usual. So we get again the same confrontation that we did have before. And that is Chloe and Dan getting all police like on their child and I find it hilarious personally I love the whole situation when she is so cunning Trixie she is such a Slytherin she is so ambitious and she wants what she wants and she is not afraid to go over dead bodies to get it literal dead doll bodies she is still keeping the innocence in her face even though she's admitting to everything she did and it's it feels like the whole chocolate cake situation all over again and it was fucking brilliant and the way Lucifer interacts with it as well especially since just like with the chocolate cake situation when she ate the chocolate cake Dan finds the entire situation extremely hilarious and Chloe has zero sense of humor well zero sense of humor when she then comes up with the reasoning why she is doing this I am absolutely with her this is not about good or bad but exactly the same with the chocolate cake dan found the chocolate cake situation hilarious and boy did it bite him in the ass and chloe did not find it funny at all and the same applies here you see dan struggling to keep his laughter in and more or less failing and chloe being genuinely angry at the situation and also like we said last episode the precinct has gotten serious upgrades because we didn't have an interrogation room before I think yeah the precinct is more upgrades they really got that going there and you can see even by the amount of time that we spent in the precinct this episode it's probably more than we spent in the precinct in the entire season one yeah full agreement on that I have nothing else for this one just again Lucifer walking in and obviously the obsession of the week is showing again with him trying to accuse Chloe for being a bad mother for not giving Trixie everything she wants and the whole explanation of this being Trixie trying to manipulate 
Chloe into getting a new doll is very interesting because again that proves to us that Trixie is a very smart child that knows exactly what to do to get what she wants except Chloe is outsmarting her in on this level which makes sense because she is the adult after all Anyway, we finally get the murder reported, which in my opinion took way too long because the guy walked in the room as Lucifer and mom were leaving and Lucy had the time to drop off mother in the penthouse, drive down to the precinct, have a chat with Chloe and then and only then they only got the call about the murder so it felt like a very long time to report the murder. Isn't it usual in those high class hotels with oh do we really want to report this how do we spin this do we know who it is in all the cliche movies and this is why it might have taken a bit longer? Yeah maybe but then again they were missing a maid for a few days and they didn't notice so how high class the hotel was actually well just because you don't show up to work doesn't mean you were murdered she never clocked out i'm not having an issue with it taking a few minutes that the crime gets reported i'm just saying that it was curious so we're finally back at the actual crime scene yay and get confirmation here with lucy's and ella's interaction that it's actually a screwdriver and not an ice pick which i found weird because i was so sure it was an ice pick. <laughs> I actually love to hate the loose nickname that Ella tries to give Lucifer. It's so bad, it's actually good. Is it though? Is it really? Because it's really, really bad, but it's so bad that I'm starting to like it again. Okay. Loose, I'm there for it. Ah. But I'm pretty sure it's not gonna catch on because it's his look and Ella's reaction, so don't think it's gonna stick around. Good. And also, Dan has amazing timing with Lucifer going, I promise there's no other body, and Dan opens the door, we found another body. It's just, ah, oh, thank you. Comedic timing at its best. Yeah. Yes, for sure. I love how Lucifer is trying to speed up the whole process by randomly finding things that he knew they were actually there the whole time. He's so impatient. So impatient. It's hilarious. Coming up next, we got scene seven. And apparently the tech lab is now in the middle of the precinct. It was their last episode. Yeah, I didn't really focus on it as much last episode. I watched a lot of crime shows. I watched way too many seasons of NCIS. I watched all available seasons of Criminal Minds. I watched my fair share of fucking CSI bullshit, which I don't even know why. Because it's fine and you don't have to think when you're watching it. You watched, I think, a lot of Bones. I watched a lot of Castle. And please do correct me. Have we ever watched any other show where the fucking forensic lab is simply in the middle of the actual precinct and not at least on another floor or actual separate room with a different hallway or anything. It's literally in the middle. It's just an added drywall with windows so it's not next to normal desks. I found that extremely weird. I'm trying to think if I can remember any show that has CSI lab inside of the precinct. I feel like it's all... A different building altogether. Or it's in the cellar, or it's a different floor, or... At least the shows I watch, I don't think that it's even in the same building. This I found extremely curious. It's interesting, yeah. And if our listeners have any other examples of shows that do it like this, please let me know. But I kind of like it. It's aesthetically well done, and they are using it really well. It keeps Ella much closer to the actual police work. Yeah, it makes them more of a part of the team. Also, you need less excuse 
excuses for her to be in direct proximity or for people bumping into her. So storytelling wise, I fully understand why it's a good choice. I just feel it's a very unique choice. Yeah. Ella's character with being extremely oversharing, but apparently also extremely competent at her job, keeps in the same track that we had last episode. Yeah, she is super smart and I love her. Dan is really trying hard, but he ends up being a bit creepy with the it's hot that you're giving me orders. Is that creepy? They even talk about it like, yeah, no, this was too far. What? I missed that. I find it fascinating that he feels so comfortable that he already starts hitting on Chloe. Well, let's be honest, Dan's a sub, like in all ways. Yeah. Hence, it doesn't surprise me that he finds it sexy that she's giving orders. I feel like, actually, now that he's been demoted, he was able to let go of a lot of his masculine insecurities that were prominent in the season one. We have a lot less grandstanding happening by Dan, which, in my opinion, makes him so much more charming and likable. For sure. I didn't have any of my I hate Dan moments this episode or the last. Yeah. So while they both react awkward to his declaration, it's sexy that you're giving me orders. I am fully there for it. It makes absolute sense. Even though Lucifer is extremely preoccupied, he still has time to snap jokes at Dan and his tiny lady hands. Which is not a diss up to his usual level, I feel. Lucy can do better than to resort to call men womenly. So tiny lady hands are words that actually Ella used and Lucifer turns it around to say, well, done doesn't count. So I feel like it's just, you know, this is just an automatical reaction now to any opportunity that presents itself to Lucifer at any time. He doesn't even need to give it any thought whatsoever. It's just like a reaction at this stage. Just quip at done. I feel like normally he puts in actual thought and that's why they come out better because by equating men with feminine attributes, it's low-hanging fruit. It's like calling a guy a pussy because he isn't as physically strong or has emotions or something. I think that's a bit extreme, but yeah. Either way. No, seriously, every time a guy gets equated to doing something or having attributes like a woman... It's an issue with masculinity. Yeah, but it's so long-hanging fruit. And I feel like usually Lucifer's insults are of higher quality, but because he's preoccupied, he is just distractedly going for the lower-hanging standard jokes. Yeah. Coming up, we finally get into our B-plot of the episode, which is Amanda Diel's existential crisis. And I have to say, I wished we had more story to that because I found it way more interesting from the storytelling point than the actual main story in this episode. Oh really? We have very opposite opinions on this episode. The transition between those two scenes was amazing with Lucy still talking to Ella and we're already seeing the books that Amanda Deal is doing research with and then Linda is walking in on him and while he is very short with her she actually drops some really interesting information because I hadn't realized the entire building is a medical facility. Oh, is it? She says this is a real facility with real doctors. I thought it was an office building and she just rented a space oh interesting so i found that super curious so she says it's a real facility with real doctors so that implies there's at least one other 
actual doctor beside her. And I wonder if we ever meet the other curious doctors in this facility. And also, of course, Linda is very direct and honest, as is her way. And I love how fucking on point she is when she calls Amenadiel selfish and self-absorbed. And when he tries to explain that he has hard times and things he has to work through and blah whatever she goes like oh, maybe if she weren't so self-absorbed it would be different because it's called karma and i'm just like yes you go girl and she tries to slam the fucking door and it jams yeah and she in actual words says uh maybe if you didn't think as much about yourself but about how you treat others things might not be so trying. It's called karma. And it's just such a fucking mic drop at that moment. But it's also very Linda that the mic drop gets thwarted by the fucking carpet getting stuck in the door. But in the end, she manages to slam the door and her door slamming creates a gust of wind. And then we see a feather flying through the air and the manadil catches it. And it's a very dark feather. And at this point, I was like, we remembered that Lucifer had those shiny, shiny white wings. Mm -hmm. And Manadiel had dark wings, right? Yeah, yeah. Dark gray towards black, yes. So I was like, well, just one feather. I thought, okay, if he had white wings and now we have a black feather, we'd be like, ooh. But he already has dark wings, so... Yeah, whatever. But I really like the scene. And Amenadiel seems so utterly distraught. He's got issues. Yeah, sure. And I'm there for it. Because dude deserves it. I was very excited to see him actually use his office for once. <laughs> With more than just a Bible on the table. <laughs> that was completely ridiculous. So like he's finally using the space that he's paying for. So that brings me a lot of peace in mind. So we are moving on to the lawyer's firm where Lucifer and Chloe walked in with their evidence <laughs> and Lucifer, true to his form, just starts showing off the evidence bags until somebody comes up and says, oh yeah, that's actually this person. Okay, so we know now that the dead girl's name is Charlotte. Yes, mom has a name. Mom has a name. And we move over to the office of the partner, Bradley. You're so fucking suspicious. So in this moment, I still don't know what's happening. I'm still completely clueless about the plot. But I found Bradley completely suspicious about his whole, oh no, we're completely monogamous. He, she doesn't even sleep with her a husband anymore. Yes, yeah, so she is a cheater, but she only cheats with you. And it's not technically cheating because she is not with her husband anymore. Bullshit. No, if somebody doesn't have an issue sleeping with someone, they don't really count the people they sleep with. At least in my opinion. It depends on the state her marriage is in. If they are only still married for the paper, but they both go about their business, then it's not cheating. Cheating is only if the other person doesn't know what you're doing. Yeah, I'm having more of an issue with the guy trusting... Charlotte that she is not sleeping with anybody else but himself. If her husband knows that she now basically has a boyfriend and she has a relationship besides her marriage, I don't see an issue and that can be completely monogamous. Well, now if we look at the next scene, the husband clearly didn't know that though. He knew. He said he expected it, but he didn't say he knew. <laughs> Either way, I just found him extremely suspicious. I didn't find him suspicious at all because his starting to cry and everything and being like super weepy. It just was over the top for me. For me, not at all. Especially since we for once get uh, one of the eye contact scenes again. 
And actually, Lucifer has very little eyeliner action going on. There was, of course, eyeliner, but not the over-the-top over amount that we sometimes get in the past. Well, it was a day scene, you know, to be fair. So Yeah, but some, sometimes they also, during the day, put a lot of it on him. So it was just explicitly with the look at me, look at me, which was nice. But otherwise, I found the entire, like, whose phone is this? Like, everyone got one. And then the shoe, like, oh no! No, it's the shoe. It's, it's As Chloe says earlier on, it's very Cinderella. They go and follow their lead with the stay-at-home dad who looks so done with life. And during the transition, we get a song which, weirdly enough, I just couldn't find in full, not even on YouTube. There is a small sample of it. It's called And Know You Know by Old Future. And it's even in the comments underneath that YouTube snip, you get people referring to some Korean website okay. as being the only place where you can get the full song. That's weird. Well, I'm going to give you guys the link to the one minute sample, but it's such a shame because it's a really good song. And I found one that's similar and few times mistaken for it but it's not the same it's not as good that makes you wonder where they get their music from i know literally i was looking for it she's like how do you find that shit so we have the completely what does he say he's been covered in vomit the last few days because his children are sick and i'm just like <laughs> why but lucifer pointing out that he has stuck an entire slice of salami to his shirt and the dude just eating the fucking salami did he he eats the slice i was looking out for that and i didn't notice he turns around and while he turns around he puts the slice into his mouth that's literally the one trope that they always do it's like oh there's cheeto in your hair oh thank you and they eat it you know that's on every single show where they do something like that and i fucking hate it he ate the slice i missed it and i'm pissed off that they actually did it i was so glad that they didn't it's pretty much in the middle of the scene so when you go to 2235 the scene starts and then it's just a few moments until that moment. Um, and then they go into his walk-in closet and Lucy starts throwing out the bad clothing. Hawaiian shirts, for example. And Crocs. Crocs in six different colors. Why do you need that shit? To be honest, if you're a fucking stay-at-home dad, then wear whatever the fuck you want, in my opinion. Yeah, but like, you need two pairs or maybe three, if I'm being really eccentric, of Crocs. Maybe he wants to color match his Crocs to his Hawaiian shirts. <laughs> How is that even... Ugh. Ugh. But what I really love is that Lucifer, oh yeah, in this clothing bag is the suit that he wore for the wedding. And of course, stay at home dad confirms it and the zipper jams and then sudden snow. And Lucifer is so genuinely happy that he's covered in coke. His face lights right up. It's beautiful. And let's be honest, he has been on the hunt for the last few days under the assumption that his mom was out to kill him and now has his fucking mother being babysat at home by his ex-demon because she's planning on leaving him. And he just stopped her in time to like acquire her services once more. He deserves a coke break. Right? He always deserves a coke break. But now even more than, than usual. So I, I really, really like that. And also, it's a nice way of finding amounts of drugs, right? Oh, for sure. I just love how, how happy it makes Lucifer. And then we move back to the penthouse again. And surprise, surprise, they actually found pants in Mace's closet that fit mum. I only have to say two things about this scene, if I'm really honest, and that is A, TV is the best parent in America. <laughs> this is just another example. 
Unfortunately, it's probably true. And we get confirmation that mom apparently now has to eat because she says that she ate out of garbage trap cans. Why would she do that if she didn't have to? That's a weird thing there. I kind of don't 100% understand why. She is learning how credit cards work in this scene, which is kind of interesting. And it's going to be important for later. It's just... It's all ridiculous. We go back to precinct again, because now that we have a fancy precinct, we have to spend more time there. Clearly. (laughs) I'm not a fan that Trixie gets a doll with a mini kitchen. Why not? Because I feel it's inherently sexist that you give a girl a a girl cook doll with a kitchen. And in the last season, it was my inherently clear that while Trixie has certain female cliche toys, she turns them on her head. Like she had the chemist by day, ninja by night Barbie that Lucifer throws like go fetch. Yeah. So while she had a Barbie, it was not in cliche female roles. Did you ever have to play with Barbies? I didn't have to. I wanted to. Okay. I didn't. I only liked the horses. I obviously loved the horses and I obviously stole my brother's cars, but I still played with my Barbies and he still played with my Barbies. I would find it problematic if she would be wearing like a clothes and an apron, but because she was wearing like a chef's clothing i found it absolutely fine because that's just like a doll having a job so i am okay with that actually personally though i also understand that the kitchen was necessary from a narrative standpoint because otherwise the chocolate cake joke wouldn't have made sense yeah exactly and that's another thing that i think that there is more of a chance that lucifer picked this one because of the chocolate cake and he didn't really give a fuck about the kitchen or what it could entail probably but i will always keep on projecting my personal issues (laughs) with cliches and sexist toys onto everything we talk about. Yes, these things need to be called out. Speaking of kids, mm-hmm. Mace is not actually a good babysitter. Well, she gets carried away with torture. Which makes her a not good babysitter. <laughs> it makes her very Mace though, which, you know. Yes. Also, what is your opinion on why Mace hates mom so much because there's genuine hatred in Mace towards Charlotte I think the way she presents it I think there's two reasons like because she genuinely seems protective of Lucifer and knowing that the mother did hurt Lucifer so badly that he was affected by that for many many years and still is so that's one thing but I also think it's because she never was able to break her in hell and that feels like a pride issue with Mace. So one's hatred by proxy and one's hatred due to her pride being hurt. Yeah, I think so. But then the statement that Charlotte makes or that mom makes, what are we going to call her? Are we going to call her Charlotte or mom? Uh, Let's call her Charlotte. I just didn't want to call her Charlotte at the beginning because we didn't know it was Charlotte. So the reasoning that Charlotte tries to suggest that Mace feels threatened in her relationship with Lucifer because now mom is here. Do we believe that? or do we not believe that? I don't believe it. I think that's just Charlotte trying to play with her. I just wanted to make sure if we were for once in this episode in actual agreement. (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) What the hell? But Charlotte does drop a really interesting information at this moment. That is that that hell gives the damned what they deserve and she didn't deserve to be punished. So that's the reason why Maze was never able to break her. Which gives us an interesting narrative about hell. Mm-hmm. So if that is true, we create our own hell by the way we behave here. So it's 
Yes, it is kind of the way we imagine it anyway, but the way she describes it, it feels more personalized. I am very curious about this because is it relevant that she didn't do anything to deserve it? Or is it relevant that she knows she didn't deserve it? Because if it's only relevant that she didn't do anything to deserve it, then knowing it wouldn't be required. You could be sent to hell, think you deserve it, but because you didn't actually do anything bad, it wouldn't be too bad for you. Or you could be sent to hell because you killed 17 people, but because you're a freaking sociopath, you don't actually feel that you did something wrong mm. and that you deserve to be in hell. And this is also why it doesn't really hurt you. Or does it actually need to be both? Maybe it's both. So this is what I'm curious. And I really hope that at some point we get more hell's rejects. Yeah. Or an actual trip down to hell. I don't know. Maybe a callback later on to season one. So we see Malcolm's hell or something would be fun. Ah. Like, I, I want to see the dude suffer. I mean, yeah, but... Uh. So I'm curious, is it both or is one of the two enough? And if so, which one? Mm. But this is really, really interesting. And also it does not fit with any of our established Judeo-Christian lore. So this episode for me is the first time that we really start creating Lucifer lore. And I'm there for it. And that's really exciting. Yeah, I agree. Let me put a caveat in there. I'm there for it as long as it is consistent. Yes. Because we do remember certain things in the episode one never happened again. The goat's eyes. Yeah, there is a bunch of things that are... The goat's eyes are for me the... I think that those are the biggest and, and most noticeable thing. So I'm all there for Lucifer-specific lore. Yes, please, more of it. But please, 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 please be consistent with it and keep track of it. Because having different writers, sometimes they ignore what has been established. Which is bad. But one more note to this scene. Please be the same as mine. I love that Sadistic Mace is back. Oh, and yeah. <laughs> this is what I missed last episode. It felt like last episode Mace was just walking around making apologies of reasonings why she was away and what is she going through. And it felt like she's repeating the same words over and over again to everybody she's talking to. And even though it's being really soft and nice and understandable that she's changing and working on herself and whatever, it just felt like the old Mace wasn't really there except for those two little moments when she's enjoying torturing the boy and now I see her getting excited to torture Charlotte and I just went like yes I'm so glad she's back I missed you my final note for this scene is great headbutt oh yeah that was a good one <laughs> I think they're gonna be great friends. No. My understanding of this scene, I feel like they have so much going on between each other that once they solve the hatred they have, they're gonna be best friends. I mean, it's probably not gonna happen, but I would like to see that. <laughs> Mace already has Linda. She doesn't need Charlotte. You're very protective. <laughs> Don't you go break up my team. <sighs> Mace got Linda. She no need no one else. Sure. But that being said... That being said, we have actual police work happening. Now we get, with the actual police work happening, confirmation for Lucifer that not only did mom not lie, she's actually in danger. Yeah. And the plot twist that I didn't see coming was that she was a good person. <laughs> I called it. Who, Charlotte or mom? Charlotte. That mom Charlotte didn't lie. But in this scene as I was watching it, I started finally getting the feeling that I'm starting to remember what happens. <laughs> then I had this really nogging feeling that it's going to be way more complicated. And it wasn't just some rando offing them. So, hmm. 
This episode, I remember it happening, but I, for the life of me, cannot figure out what happens, as I was watching it anyway. So, as I said, Mace is not a great babysitter because now mom has the hot Charlotte body and a credit card. So, it's a perfect deal. I'm just gonna quickly mention we have a song that goes through this scene called So Good by Warpaint on the playlist. But with the credit card, I thought that she says, and she has their company credit card. She has the company credit card. Yeah, that's why I got so confused, because I just assumed that it's the Lux company credit card. And then later on, they actually say that it's the lawyer. So my thinking was, why don't they just trace the credit card? But then it obviously got explained later on that it's not the Lux credit card. But yeah, she gone. And instantly we're changing to another song, Walking Into the Tanning Salon. I completely forgot about the fucking tanning song. I was like, where are we? Which is called Once I Was a Glass of Tang. And if I got the lyrics properly, it was something in a sense of I sat in a sun in a glass and there were naked people around me. It's completely ridiculous. I fucking love that song. It might become one of my, <laughs> my new favorites because it was... I, I might have to look up the lyrics for this one then. Yeah. Again, somehow Lucifer manages to find a big stash of coke. By being himself. Ah. Because let's face it, back when they were at the law firm and he went about with his usual shtick, he was extremely efficient and extremely fast. And like you pointed out, he has zero patience. It all needs to be done. Yes. Get it over with. And so Lucy is extremely driven and single-minded. And by being that, he accidentally throws someone through a wall? I mean, that can happen to anybody, right? The fighting, fighting quotation marks, he just like one-handedly slaps one of the guys into the back of their head. It's brilliant. It's so good. And my note actually says, and again, he finds the coke by pure haha accident. I made a pun. And you make fun of me for bad puns. Jesus. Yeah, because I make them much rarer than you do. I haven't made a pun since episode 11. That's not true. It's episode 13. Yeah, thank you. But you liked that one. That's all I have for the freaking tanning salon. So they take Vicky to the precinct to talk to him because, you know, everybody's covered in coke, so they can do whatever the fuck they want. And because they have to use the wonderful interrogation room some more. Exactly. For an actual crime interview. I had a revelation that I was right that it's more complicated than that, so yay me! (laughs) And because I was on a roll when we go to the next scene in the law firm and they talk to this random person who we've never seen in the episode. Yes, we saw him. He was in the big gathering in the beginning. Yeah. Well, I didn't remember him anyway. He talked. I didn't remember him anyway. (laughs) (laughs) So I got super upset and because I was so right in the previous assessment, I said that this definitely isn't him and I'm calling the lover. The weepy man. The weepy man. And then by the end of the scene, I started questioning myself, seeing the way he started being super lawyer and defensive, I started doubting my instincts. My actual note says, sneaky little Harvard law is too obvious to be the actual killer, right? Right? Because just like you in the beginning, I was like, way too obvious, can't be him. Scene continues, I had to add the question mark at the end (laughs) because I wasn't sure anymore. 
I called this scene Law Firm or The Den of Evil. Ooh. Which calls back to season one with The Den of Evil. Oh, yeah. Remember? I know it's been long ago. I but... remember. I remember. <laughs> I love that we now can actually make callbacks to ourselves. Ooh, yeah. This ends and we get another song that's called Criminal by Vision Vision. Which just makes it even worse with fucking Harvard Law, dude. I know. So at this stage, I was just completely thrown off my game. And the song is not on Spotify again. What? That's the third one this episode. I know, it's ridiculous. I'm gonna put in all the links to the episode descriptions. We're not missing out that much. We are, but, you know, let's keep telling ourselves that. And my first note okay i was wrong (laughs) (laughs) my first note is a whole cart full of cheese oh yeah all the cheese i don't usually eat dairy anymore but there are a few days where i really do miss cheese and just looking at that cart a gives me indigestion (laughs) and b gives me severe cheese envy Do you remember back when we started that I had the lie counter for Lucifer? Yes. I worry I might have to restart it. Why? Because Lucifer is telling his mother to lie. But that doesn't mean that he's gonna lie. We have never met. You don't know me. Yeah. So this means that if Chloe asks him, he will have to lie. Well, will he? I think that he just hopes that she's not gonna ask directly him. He says it would be too much for the detective. When just last episode he was all over go test my blood go test my blood so I'm not happy with this moment at all and I'm gonna keep my eyes extremely peeled because we both had very clear disagreements on what counts as a lie in the beginning and since Lucifer very quickly became extremely honest but this this is an explicit demand that someone lie and he is opposed to lying not just lying himself but lies in general so this to me is is extremely weird. I get that with mom everything might be a bit different but lie is the big three letter word for Lucifer. I'm extremely curious how this is gonna proceed and if I actually have to start lies relating to mom counter or whatever. I didn't notice this moment in that direction so I think personally that if he will be asked directly by Chloe he will tell her the truth. That's my point of view at the minute. But she hasn't asked him directly in this episode, so we'll see what's going to happen in the future. Instead of asking him anything related to his mom, she actually gets him again to pull his fucking ass out of his fucking butt. She pulls Linda on him. She definitely pulls a Linda on him, yeah. Which is understandable because having Lucifer go to therapy and talk about this and realize it would feel so convoluted. And this was already set up earlier with the Europe bad mother you're a bad mother so i'm fine with chloe pulling alinda in this moment yep speaking of pulling <laughs> i call the next scene ames is a plucked chicken oh <laughs> i actually do feel for ames when he walks over to Linda and says, I have a lot to atone for, I made so many mistakes and I'm truly sorry what I did to you. And I actually believe his apology is genuine, even though I am fully aware that it is most likely him trying to do good things, in quotation marks, to get his powers or his wings or both back to normal. Yeah, I think that he is directly reacting to what she told him in the previous scene, that he needs to stop just looking at himself and he needs to realize how he treats others around him. I still think it's a selfish motivation because he goes right after he talks to her into his office and 
checks his wings. I didn't see it as much as checking. To me, it felt more like I'm doing it because I see myself in a mirror and I know I have done fucked up and you called me out on it. And you're right. I think it's both. Yeah. This is why I say I believe him that he's genuinely apologizing, but I also think that he's aware that he needs to sort out and atone all the bullshit that he did. But seriously, right after he talked to her, he goes into his office in front of the bureau and spreads his fucking plucked chicken wings. Yeah. Why would you get them out? And he, he looks in pain getting them out. The way he takes off his shirt. I didn't read him as being in pain, physical pain. I thought that it was more of an emotional pain. There is a song that starts playing when he actually does that, that is called All the Things Lost, which to me, I read him as he's very sad. And But then again, my next thought was, I do get it because I would also be sad if I had that attached to my back. Now, I have question and a follow-up question. Why does he need to take his hoodie off to see the wings? And follow-up, does that mean that his angel dress has holes for wings. Second question, my answer is yes. Because for me, the fancy outfit he had earlier was tailor-made for him. Yeah, that was his angel robes. I assume that that's what he wears when he's in heaven. I'm pretty sure when he's in heaven, he doesn't look like he looks on earth. Well, that brings us to another discussion. But in my head, this is what he wears all the time, so... But I'm, I'm pretty sure the fancy, this is my main outfit, that had holes for the wings in the back. So second question is a full-on yes from me. Okay. First question, why did he have to take his clothes off? Really? Just for the dramatic effect. Right? Because that would mean that every time they would want to fly somewhere, he would have to take his clothes off. Which doesn't make sense, because, for example, when he saves Lucifer from the bullet in the finale of season one, he doesn't take his shirt off and he's wearing normal clothes. Yeah, it's purely for a dramatic effect, in my opinion. Or, you know, gets the half-naked D.B. Woodside. Well, I don't mind getting a half-naked D.B. Woodside because man is ripped. Yeah. So, coming up, final scene, which I called the big reveal. Was the big reveal the burnt mac and cheese? <laughs> no. I actually do have an issue with her cooking. Do you? Because why would she have any concept of cooking? Because she saw it on the telly. We only saw part of the advert, but does it mean she didn't cook the noodles and just put the noodles and the cheese into it? Or did she Google a recipe? Or... Well, I assume that in the advert, because it felt like a 50s, 60s type of a thing. So they would put it in the oven, in the advert, I assume. And then because she didn't know how long it needs to be there, it was all black and disgusting. I do have a different question, though. Where is the kitchen that she made that in? She comes out of the elevator, so I would assume Lux has a kitchen then. Yeah, so either Lux has a kitchen or she just brought it in from another place. I would assume Lux has a kitchen. No, the big reveal is that Lucy is breaking his promise to God. He is not sending her straight back to hell. Yeah, and I think that he's gonna try to explain that to himself that he's not doing it yet. Which, to me, is the next step in the highly problematic evolution of Lucifer. First, he tells his mother to lie, which is extremely out of character for him. And now he's welshing on a deal. Both are things that Lucifer usually doesn't stand for. Mm. While I understand it story-wise, because why bring mom back when we just sent her back to hell in episode two? I get it, no worries. But I'm extremely curious how we explain this on a character level. Mm. I actually might have an explanation for that. Let's see. I think 
because both of these things relate to his mother and he seems to be very vulnerable when it comes to anything regarding his mom. So it feels like she is the only thing and a reason that would lead him into the path of breaking his own rules. But obviously we don't know that. I would demand more for a satisfying explanation, but we'll see what comes. Yeah, exactly. Actually, no, I think the big reveal that I was thinking of when I called the scene the big reveal is that mom did stand by doing nothing no mom was the one sending him to hell because otherwise god would have destroyed aka killed lucifer so question time and i have no idea if we believe mom that god would have killed lucy instead of making him the devil then that would mean that the god in lucifer lore is even worse than our judeo-christian god and since lucy usually is picking up on lies we probably can believe her that she's being genuine. But since, as you pointed out, it's his mom and he kind of has a very vulnerable, blind thing, we can't trust it 100%. And given the final look of her up to the sky, which for me tells an entire different story than what she just told her son. I'm not sold on so many things. I have so many questions. I have so many issues. And I think that this also plays into me not really liking this episode because while I don't mind getting many questions that we keep with in the next few episodes it all feels very convoluted to me Mm. which is not very Lucifer this first season we didn't have many mysteries so now getting this dump of Mm. all those probables and questions and wonderings and maybes it feels too much in too little time so there's a lot of potential but I don't know yeah when I was watching this part where she starts dumping the hole I was the one who sent you to hell I was the one who saved your life essentially you can see how Lucifer is slowly starting to turn around and changing his opinion and this is what gives him doubt regarding the whole situation watching this I was like oh that's so sad and everything but then I kind of stopped and thought about it and it was just it felt like a manipulation from her side even before she did that look to the sky to me anyway he agrees not to send her down straight away and I was waiting for her to give away the face he's gone tell me where you just fucking with him and she clearly was and with her look up we get the last song of the episode that's called last damn night by l king what's it called last damn night all right so that was the last scene we flew through this one like i said i didn't have many notes i know that you didn't have that much love for this episode. I really, really enjoyed it myself. I appreciate getting all the Trisha Helfer time I can get because she is absolutely amazing actress. I didn't know her before Lucifer. I knew her from Battlestar Galactica. So I am very biased when it comes to her because she is incredible. Which I don't mind. And then I watched her on Lucifer and from what I remember she is unfucking real and we have so much in store. Who knows? Not us because we're not talking about a few I'm not talking about the future. I'm just saying that she's an amazing actress. Other than that, there was enough intrigue for me in there that I really enjoyed it. And there was Trixie, which was super fun. And there was the whole Ames and Linda side story arc that was really cool as well. So like we get a little tidbits from all the storylines 
this time and I really appreciated that. I found the entire episode mostly bland, which I find surprising because so far Ildi's writing has always been those episodes that I extremely enjoyed. I fully understand the necessity for the episode because it really does a great job in furthering the plot mm. and giving us so many questions and hooking points where this entire season hopefully is gonna develop into. But probably I would have personally preferred it if the questions had been stretched over into two episodes and we had more substance. The B-plot pleased me immensely. I very much enjoyed Linda and Amanda Deal's interaction, which I actually found surprising because in season one, I was not a fan of their interaction. Well, because Ames had a completely different approach, I think. Yeah, of course. But season one, I would not have had said that those two characters had any chemistry or reason to have additional scenes together and the fucking way Linda tells him off and how he actually comes to genuinely apologize. Yeah, I, I can bear some more of that. So I enjoyed that. Also, mostly I'm curious because of the mom gets to stay for a bit part, if that means that God will again intervene. Because, like I said, Lucifer is de facto welshing on the deal. I do have a question, though, in general. Mm. How do you send mom back to hell? Well, he still expects a Menadiel to have wings, because that's what he said at one stage. We don't have that option anymore. So if at some point Lucifer decides, all right, mom, down to hell you go, how? If he's going to at that stage know that a Menadiel's wings are fucked, he would probably have to try to call one of his other brothers, is my assumption. I'm just wondering, because... His deal is with God. Shouldn't God provide a way how to send mom back to hell if he wants it to get done? I mean, right now, Lucy is deliberately not proceeding with the deal. So in theory, Amenadiel at some point comes back to Lucy and Lucy figures out that Amenadiel doesn't have his powers in that same way anymore. And he doesn't have wings and he doesn't have the coin. And of course, Mace, being just a demon, also has no option. So Neville of the Frey has a way to get mom back to hell, which God, being all-knowing, already knows. So shouldn't he provide a way for Lucifer to get fucking mom back to hell if he wants it? to happen. And if he does not provide a way to make it happen, does that then in turn mean that he actually doesn't want it to happen? Ha! I just came up with this. Wow, you magic your way <laughs> through that shit. Now, you're actually right, because given what we know, God knows everything we know and more. So he saw this coming. He knew that she was going to try to convince him to stay on Earth. He knew that Lucifer technically just doesn't have a way to get her back. So my assumption is right now that Lucifer would have to bring her to dad. Oh, so you mean that maybe he just has to actually talk to dad? Okay, dad, I I got her here now. Come and collect her or something? Yeah. Well, maybe that is just trying to get Lucifer to talk to him. And this is like a super desperate and stupid attempt to do oh. it. So it comes from Lucifer and that isn't yeah, like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I get it. I get it. So, like I said, so many potential <laughs> ways this all can go. How that could be a not good episode if it brings all these possibilities. I don't understand. Because it gives me too little to work with. We don't need much to work with, Lena. You know that. I do. I'm fully aware <laughs> this is a personal issue. I need a bit more to hook my conspiracy thoughts into. But then again, if they tell you too much you complain that they serve everything to you on a silver plate and you don't want that either so duh do you notice something you're so difficult to please 
But that is actually all I got on this. So, thank you all for listening to Vero being extremely happy and constructive with this episode <laughs> and me being extremely nitpicky and whiny about this episode. I do promise it's gonna get better. I wouldn't have it any other way, Alina. I don't actually remember what happens in episode three, so we'll find out. It might be just as bad. Special thanks, of course, goes to our wonderful wonderful patron who mostly have stuck with us since episode one two three i think if you want to get in touch with us you can do so via various social media or you can just send us an email to lucifer at taot minus podcast.com of course our episodes can be found on spotify and itunes as lydia mentioned we do have a patreon so if you are looking for any other ways to get involved with us and that includes our super duper super secrets discord you can find us at patreon.com slash taot podcast please go directly to the link and that's it from us thank you for listening myself i don't know what i'm saying make me stop talking instead of listening to us ramble on just tell all your friends to listen to our amazing show and with this we say bye, bye.